A Christmas Eve party became a crime scene. The bodies inside so badly burned that police were unsure if the victims died in the shooting rampage or the subsequent fire. Extremely unusual and very shocking. Uh, it's just not something we see here at any time of the year, especially during Christmas. Police say 45-year-old Bruce Pardo was having marital problems. He walked into the party dressed as Santa just before midnight, then immediately took aim with a handgun at his estranged wife, her mother, father, sisters, brother, and sister-in-law. One family member reportedly escaped by jumping out a bathroom window. The home is in Covina, a suburb about 25 miles east of Los Angeles. Police say Pardo then allegedly used some sort of explosive device to set the house on fire. Witnesses say they saw the suspect take the Santa suit off and walk away. Hours after the shooting, police found Pardo's body at his brother's house, about 40 miles from the crime scene. Police say he killed himself. Three people were also injured, including an eight-year-old girl who was shot. Neighbors can't believe this happened to what they call a happy, tight-knit family. <laughs> presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on the Alright everybody, welcome to episode 189 of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. I am your host, in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me, well we're not going to get into who's sitting right across from me just yet, but sitting to my digital left is the brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. And millions, what's up people? Um, this episode <laughs> could not be made without the good people at cavemancoffee.com go to cavemancoffee.com check out their entire inventory of coffee the hibiscus tea is my personal favorite they got sweatpants they got hats they got all kinds of goodies uh check it all out i mean it's christmas time it's coming up so i'm sure you guys can find some last minute goodies that probably won't ship out till after christmas but still it's better <laughs> than not getting anything at all um so check it all out Tell them where Jacob sent you. Type in America at checkout to receive 50% off. That 15% goes towards helping the podcast. It helps us make this podcast just 1% better. Um, and also, uh, if you find yourself drinking that coffee, go ahead and take a picture of yourself. Tag us. Tag them. It shows that you're listening to the podcast. It shows that you're purchasing their products. And we appreciate it. And they appreciate it. And that's it. Yes, yeah, so speaking of sponsors, guys, make sure you check out the great, the powerful, the flavorful El Yucateco Hot Sauce. Guys, the kings of flavor since 1968. And uh, being our special guest, we were talking before we started recording, 
and El Yucateco actually might be um, some kind of uh, herbal remedy for whatever ails you. So, you know, if you, <laughs> you got to watch out with those claims, but <laughs> no, if you got high cholesterol, El Yucateco. If you got ED, El Yucateco. If you got, well, I'm not sure if it'll help with help with heartburn, but get get yourself some uh, some jalapeno. El Yucateco, and maybe it'll cure that. But whatever ails you, El Yucateco will help you. And guys, if you can't find El Yucateco wherever they sell food, because they literally have El Yucateco everywhere they sell food. But if they don't, if you live in a weird corner of uh, the globe, the globalists have blocked you from having any El Yucateco. Guys, just go to shopelucateco.com, enter promo code DOAMERICA, and you get 10% off of your whole entire order. And not only do they have hot sauces, but guys, just like Caveman Cock, they got hats, they got t-shirts, they got jackets, they even got cornhole for whatever reason. If you guys want to play, you know, El Yucateco cornhole, go there, put promo code do America and get 10% off. But guys, like I alluded to earlier, we have a special guest in the studio. No, it's not Jack Skellington, but sitting right across from me in the place to be is the Aztec Oak, Mr. Keith Silvis. Keith, say hello to the millions. And millions. Uh, hello, everyone. It's good to be back. Um, I love the Aztec Oak. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> such a good name. Like, Nobody else calls me that. It's crazy. No, and I just made it up like last October when you came in filling for art. So good. But it's great to have you here. This is officially our Christmas episode for the year. And, you know, art couldn't be here for the episode. And I like to have like a warm soul here, you know, in front of me whenever we record. But uh, this topic is actually going to be a pretty heavy topic. And if you want to hear a more lighthearted Christmas topic, guys, go to the Patreon, subscribe there. We gave you what it was like an hour and a half podcast right there right yeah i mean we're looking at yeah it was hour 20 minutes something yeah, like that hour 20 minutes so guys go to patreon.com slash art and jacob do america where if you subscribe to our patreon you get a bonus episode every week and if you climb those tiers of uh, the patronage you'll get you know free stickers i mailed out christmas cards with some swag you know enclosed in there you'll get nice. some el yucateco stuff that i'll you know randomly send, send you guys so um guys go to our patreon sign up there uh, but with that said, Art, dude, I'm feeling lit off this caveman coffee right now, guys. So if you hear me talk at a million miles an hour, I apologize. But Art, do you want to go ahead and jump into this week's topic? Yeah, man. This week we're talking about the um, Covina Christmas, I was going to say Christmas Day massacre, but I guess it's Christmas Eve massacre. Um, Covina is like pretty close to where we're at. I would say it's like two hours away from where we live. Mm-hmm. So um, it is a... Uh, I actually don't remember even this story happening, to be completely honest with you. No, when you pitched this to me last week, I was just like, I, you, I thought you, I thought it was the San Bernardino massacre, like where like that guy with a bunch of AKs like went crazy like on his coworkers or whatever. And that's what right. I thought you were you were talking about. But like you would think with like the heaviness of this story and like the extraness of this story, because this dude was super extra. Like you would think this would have made like bigger headline news, and it kind of speaks to like how america is to where it's like this was during a time period where there was like a mass shooting happening like every other tuesday so maybe it got buried like pre-covid yeah yeah i mean that's maybe. pretty much pre-covid uh shootings were happening like every every weekend 2008 yeah, yeah 2008 that was also when that did... recession we had going on yeah yeah like, probably everybody's in a bad mood already so yeah I think it was like the lowest the economy has been since like the Great Depression. Like it was the second greatest depression in American history. Not bad. Not bad. 
Anyways, Art, do you want to get into what the Covina Massacre was? Yeah, I mean, so I guess we'll just jump into directly what this guy did. This guy's name is, um, I was going to say his name is Cobina. <laughs> Bruce uh, Pardo. Yeah, Bruce Pardo. Uh, so on the evening of December 24th, 2008, Bruce Pardo shows up to his, uh, at this point, one week now they had been divorced. So I guess it's his ex-wife's parents home where there is a gathering like a lot of a lot of hispanic families do this where like they really celebrate christmas on christmas eve like that's that's the bread and butter is like getting together on christmas eve and like having your pozole and like opening gifts at midnight um so i assume that that's what they were doing they were all getting together um having a jolly old time when uh bruce pardo shows up knocks on the door um and who was who was the person to open the door was an eight-year-old girl his niece um opens the door super excited because he's dressed as santa claus the dude is dressed as santa claus and he's holding a large gift under his arm um only to realize that one of the the other thing in his hand is a semi-automatic handgun he goes he proceeds to shoot her in the face and then from then on all hell breaks loose like the family here is obviously a semi-automatic just went off at their door and uh everyone starts running everyone's panicking um and he just starts unloading goes room by room unloading people are hiding under furniture and all hell is breaking loose at this point um and i alluded to earlier he had a large gift under his arm turns out that large gift is a full-on flamethrower like a homemade flamethrower where he begins to burn everything else down. So that's that's the meat and potatoes. That's of the, story. the meat and potatoes of the story. And what's interesting though is like the flamethrower that he had. Like uh, we call it a flamethrower, but what it actually was, it was like these two propane and propane accessory tanks that were like you know strapped to his back. Um, it was fuel of it was full of like racing fuel, like you know like Formula One racing fuel. And I went and researched, like, the significance of that. And the reason why he chose, like, this racing fuel... And mind you, this guy was the smartest fuck dude. And we'll get into, like, the details of, like, his education and whatnot later. Um, the reason why he chose racing fuel is because it combusts faster than any other fuel. So if he would have went to, like, Arco or fucking the Shell station or whatever and, like, got, you know, some gasoline like that, you know, it, it would have, you know, the house would have caught on fire, you know, nonetheless or whatever. Uh, but this racing fuel, like, as soon as, like, it even hints at a little bit of fire, like, it just, like, violently combusts. And, like, that's why race... Uh, racing cars, that's why they use this fuel is because, you know, you want something that's going to have like a, a, a explosive combustion to get that car moving as fast as possible. And he, him knowing this, wanted this to happen because what his plan was is he was going to shoot as many people as he could because I believe there was like 25 to 30 people within this house, like celebrating Christmas. And he wanted to shoot as many people as he could and then kind of cover his tracks by, you know, spraying the house down with this racing fuel. And he was going to throw, um, I believe it was like a, a flare into the house and like, you know, like a epic, you know, fucking scene from a movie, whatever he was going to walk away while it fucking, you know, exploded. Uh, but we did what he didn't prepare for was, is I believe there was two fireplaces in the house. And, you know, once he started, you know, spraying down the house with this racing fuel, the house was combusting and the Santa suit started to melt to his skin. Hmm. Yeah. Not only that, but even some of the wounded like family members that he was shooting, 
uh, were still getting up to like try to take him down. Like, so mm-hmm. it wasn't a smooth getaway transition where he was just like shooting people like matrix style. But like the dude was like, the, the family was like not going down without a fight essentially. Yeah. Um, and, and the sad part is like a lot of these people, they were like elderly people. Like the, the parents were like in their sixties, like the, the homeowners. No, actually and, like, like uh, the mom, uh, his ex-wife's mom, she was 70 and then like the dad was 80 years old. So like, oh, yeah, you're, yeah. you're talking they're, they're about pretty, super elderly. Super elderly. And apparently like, so the way that the, the whole layout, right, just to get like a visual idea of the way it is. So obviously the eight-year-old d- girl goes, runs, opens the door, super excited to see Santa Claus. Um, in the, the main room, there was a card game going on with like all of the adults. They were all playing a card game in the living room. Kids were in the backyard playing like some game. And then in like another room, kids were also playing like video games in the other room. And I believe there was one like 17 year old like upstairs on his computer, like avoiding the whole family festivities. He which was is, downloading like, fucking like Nine dude, Inch Nails' new album. As soon as I heard that, I was like, dude, that would have been me. Like, I would have been the person that goes down, eats pozole, and then it's like, all right, dude, I'm 17. I'm going back upstairs to like listen to the new corn album or whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, it, like rebellious teenager that doesn't want to be part of the crew or whatever. I'm update but, my iPod with like new album art and shit. Yeah. yeah. Update my Facebook to at not that point MySpace. Today. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I meant MySpace. Yeah. Update my change it to a nightmare for a Christmas background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like you know, it's it. It all seems very like homely. Like as soon as I was reading about these people, like what they were all doing, especially like the kid upstairs who was just on his computer, like it all like very much felt like like so so much like my own family it was kind of a bummer like he's kind of alluded to it like this is a very like dark topic just because it's it sounds like what everyone does on you know either new year's eve or or sorry not new year's eve christmas eve or christmas day like just getting together with loved ones maybe not this year because it's COVID, so you might want to do things a little bit differently but um but still very much very relatable yeah and the the key figure to this whole thing is bruce pardo um, Art, you mentioned it, you know, a week beforehand, um, him and his wife, um, Sylvia Ortego Pardo, uh, they had finalized their divorce. So right pretty much when we're, you know, recording this episode, you know, it would have been like the anniversary of, you know, their divorce, you know, December 18th, you know, their, their divorce is finalized. Um, but why did they get to this point? How did he get to this point? Uh, well, basically, you have this gentleman named, not even gentleman, he's not nothing gentle about this motherfucker <laughs> at all. Uh, basically, you have this guy uh, who, for years, you know, was kind of an undercover asshole. Um, I believe, um, you know, initially, like, he um, he gets this job at the Jet Proportion Laboratory. And now, if you know anything about the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, it's basically like, a, you know, a, a government contracted facility for NASA. So he's basically a rocket scientist. Hmm. And, you know, he graduates, you know, from Cal State Northridge. Everyone describes him as super smart, but he's always just kind of a little bit off. Like, he's very much an attention seeker. Uh, like, when he graduates Cal State Northridge, you know, he for whatever reason, he has, like, this sex doll, like, at his, you know, graduation. Like, he walks across stage with, like, this sex you know, doll. You know, it's funny. You say that he's a little bit off, but I actually think that he seems like such a stereotypical, like, like jock guy. Like, that move of bringing, like, a, a blow-up doll, like, that's that's what, like, 
some jock dude would do. Like he just seemed like frat guy. Like yeah, he just blended in so well. Like he was just that guy. Like um, every and I would say like that from like every aspect of his life. Like his his parents were like also very like middle class. Like everything about him was just like the middle class guy. Yeah. Like even like my sister went to just say it, like, white privilege. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like I think like CSUN isn't like isn't like Cal State Berkeley or something like that. Like, like my sister graduated from 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 CSUN as well. Like, it's not like some super prestigious school. Like, yeah, it's a good school, but it's not like super ultra like super smart or like he graduated from like Bakersfield College or something. Like, it was like a very like middle of the road school. Like, this guy was the most like average Joe guy. Like. Dumb, I would even say like dumb to a, to his own fault. Like I think that sometimes dumb can be like to your benefit whenever you like have like like to like. Well, I'll like, say this: intellectually intelligent because they're not just gonna hire any geek off the street oh, no, for a jet propulsion I, I agree, laboratory. Yeah. But like maybe like socially dumb. So you can be intellectually, you know, very intelligent, but like socially stupid. And it seems yeah, like no, that's what this guy was. This guy seems to be like the guy that like appreciates fart jokes and appreciates like making fun of people like fat fat guy like you know like kind of thing like the dude that like eats like twenty chicken wings at Hooters or something like that like he's that guy yeah and like that's what I mean like he like blends into the background because he is that guy because mm. he is the guy that brings a blow up doll to a graduation and then also too like a former girlfriend like after this event happened like you know obviously like you know the LA news like ascends upon like you know former friends and whatnot i guess a former girlfriend said like they were on a camping trip you know while they were in college and like they were on like some boat or whatever and the girlfriend like fell off the boat and was like legitimately drowning like she didn't know how to swim and like he was just laughing the whole time like before during and after like this like event like event took place so kind of get like a picture of like this guy's personality mm-hmm. um also, too, you know, to bring back his job at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, he actually gets fired from this job. It's literally like he, he lands like this ideal job, like right out of college. Um, he gets fired because he, instead of like, you know, doing like jet propulsion fucking work, you know, sending another man to the moon to prove art that, you know, we actually did land on the moon, saying doing important <laughs> work like that, he gets fired for, you know, hacking into the HR system and looking at his, you know, coworkers, you know, uh, you know, salaries basically yeah so it's like he has like this weird like social mentality already and um this whole time that he's working at jet propulsion laboratory which is a very prestigious job you know where he's earning you know a very good living he's still living with his mom and you know not to hate on anybody that like lives with their parents or whatever but you know usually like when people live with their parents is because of you know other circumstances you know like they're you know they're working a very like below you know, middle-class job or whatever. Like they're trying to get by, you know, they're you know recently divorced or whatever. But this guy was like, actually like he could have carried like his mom and dad's mortgage, but like he was like living at home very much just like, you know, being a selfish asshole. And to that point, it's when he was working at Jet Propulsion Laboratory where he meets his first fiance. Um, I forget her name. I didn't have it written down because I didn't think it was that important. But the story goes that, you know, they go to get married. They make it all the way to the wedding day. And he leaves her at the altar. Now, leading up to the marriage, like, he didn't want to pay for anything. He didn't want to pay for any of the wedding or whatever. He forced his fiance to use her savings to pay for the wedding. And the fucked up thing about that is, is, like, right when it came to the wedding day, 
he never shows up. He goes missing for like two weeks. Mm. And when he finally shows his face back up again, he was like partying like in Fort Lauderdale and pretty much like acquired. Well, like he, all he of went her on a vacation to like somewhere. He like he took her I think it was like an additional like three thousand dollars that were like in their joint save account. Correct. And he just he just took it like to go party somewhere else. Yeah. In Fort Lauderdale, yeah. And like just wow. frat boyed it out there. And then from there he gets, you know, another girlfriend. And what happens with her is is that they have a child a child. And, you know, he actually, like, moves her in, you know, to a house that they buy. So he moves out of his parents' like basement, basically. And then uh, what happens is one day, you know, the child, I believe that he's, like, 13 months old. Um, the, the dad, you know, Bruce, he's supposed to be watching the child. And, then you know, the mom go, goes and does whatever she's going to do, like grocery shopping or, you know, get her nails done or whatever. And Bruce is supposed to be watching their child. Well, Bruce decides, like, oh, I'm going to watch this fucking football game and just let the kid run around in the backyard. Mind you, the house that they were living at had an open pool. And this is like this 13-month-old, you know, anybody that, you know, has like been affiliated or seen a 13-month-old, you know, they're they're getting up, they're falling down, they're probably barely learning to walk and whatnot. That 13-month-old falls in the pool, fucking has like this traumatic brain injury. You know, uh, the child's like in the hospital for like many weeks. You know, the mom and Bruce, you know, they're, you know, at the bedside every single day. And... You know, all these, you know, stories you hear, you know, Bruce was very shaken up about that incident. But as soon as the doctor gives him the news that, you know, the child will never be able to walk, pretty much becomes, you know, you know, a cripple at this point, um, a paraplegic. Um, he pretty much just pieces out on both the girlfriend and the daughter at that point. With the son or the with the child was a girl? No, it's uh, it was a boy. Yeah, the boy. Um, but he pretty much just like pieces out of their life. Never, ever sees them again. Dang. Yeah, so he he completely dips out, and that was one of those strange things. Like, he very much strikes me as one of those guys that very much cares about the way he is viewed, uh, and I don't mean like as like a morally good guy, but like 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 Instagram guy. Like, Correct. I want to be viewed at like a good vacation spot. I want to be viewed as like the single cool guy, and like. I think that that's one of those things that, like, I think it hurt him more that his son was going to be, like, paralyzed from the waist down. And also he had, like, uh, he because he was burden. underwater, he, yeah, like, he basically just lost a lot of brain functions as well. I think it hurt him more that he was going to be associated to that kid than than anything else. Like, all of a sudden, his image of, like, his perfect life was falling apart because he just couldn't handle that. Like, he just couldn't handle anything like that. Like, so... I think that was one of the interesting things. Like the more I read up about this guy, like even the thing about like, he wanted to see how much his coworkers are making. Like, I feel like that's one of those things that like, why do you care? Like, why, why is that something you even care about? I think it's because he wants to be that dude that like can brag about how much money he's making. And like that kind of stuff matters to him. Mm. And like, you know, like the, the image of like, this is what my family looks like to have one of his kids be in a wheelchair like hurt him more than anything else. Yeah. It's kind of like karma actually coming back to bite him in the ass. Cause we were talking about sociopath. Like, yeah. Um, we were talking on the Patreon episode, um, about that. Like how, you know, we were talking about our favorite Christmas movies and whatnot. And Keith, you were bringing up how, like how, like you don't like, like the consumerism of, you know, Christmas or whatever, where it kind of like deviates from, you know, the actual meaning of Christmas. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like listening to this is just kind of like in being the Christmas episode, it kind of seems like his, 
his whole lifestyle was like very much like the antithesis of Christmas altogether. It sounds like this this really like I mean I don't know the guy at all you know like I, I read up on him a little bit but it's like it just kind of sounds like this like big ego there mm-hmm. of like oh like how is this gonna make me look or like even you know I mean we've probably all been at least broken up with by someone you know um, nobody's divorced here but like you know just the you know I'm sure that that was rejection. like a big yeah the rejection there we can all identify with that in some way by art. Is Art gone? <laughs> no, oh, he's, he's right there. there. <laughs> um, you know, but but that maybe that blow to the ego. I mean, what would what would take a, a person to the point of killing, you know, the woman, but then even like these other people? It's mm-hmm. like, you know, um that's just that's crazy to me. Like that, you know, maybe I guess maybe it was his ego, like he got hurt because she left him. I mean, who knows? Like it's just like the textbook definition of like selfishness. Yeah, selfishness is like such an understatement, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the story doesn't end there with Bruce's, you know, backstory. Um, you know, sometime later after, you know, he leaves, you know, his girlfriend and his 13-month-old, you know, paraplegic, paraplegic son, uh, he meets Sylvia Pardo. Um, you know, they, you know, connect on, you know, so many levels. You know, Bruce presents himself like as a man of the church. He volunteers, you know, as somebody that, you know, mm-hmm. volunteers his time you know, to usher at, you know, the church that they attend, um, you know, he's active in the community, quote unquote, again, like Art was saying, like, you know, very much like those Instagram moments where like, we've all seen those people where it's just like, hey guys, like I'm going live on Instagram right now. I'm about to give this bum right here on the corner. I'm about to give him a breakfast burrito <laughs> and $3 out of my pocket because I am such a good person. Like he was very much like doing those things, like to impress uh, Sylvia who had, you know, at this time, three other children and he presented himself and, you know, as like this, you know, family oriented guy and, you know, they eventually get married and then everything after that marriage. So they get married in 2006 and almost immediately shit starts to hit the fan. He immediately tells Sylvia, he's just like, look, we can get married. You can move into my house, but I'm not financially taking care of any of your children. That lies on you. Mind you, Bruce at this time, he's working for like ITT, like another, another, like, you know, high fluting, like government, you know, you know, a contracted agency and he's making like well over like six figures. And he's like telling this lady that, you know, he is now one with, cause it's just like that Spice Girl song when two become one, <laughs> you know, whenever you get married, what's yours is mine. And what mine is yours. They're basically like, nah, those other three, you know, children, they're on their own. You got to take care of it. And I believe like she only made like something like, like 26,000. Yeah. $30,000 a year. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, what, like, that's fucking heavy right here. Here you got this dude, like, who's more than capable of taking care of everybody in the house, to almost to a point where, like, she doesn't have to work at all. But, like, no. Again, just speaks to the selfishness of Bruce, where he's like, no, you're going to take care of those three children with your own money. Yeah. I mean, not only that, but, like, she was starting her own business. By the way, I had to switch headphones because my phone was going to die. So, um, that's why I have these on now. Anyways, the sound quality might be a little lower now. But anyways, Sorry, yes. um, she was starting her own business. Like She had a, like a flower business that she was starting, uh, which was like this very like like cool thing that she was doing. Obviously, that takes a lot of your time. And then if you have three kids, that's going to take a lot of your time. So right off the bat, like the dude seems very unfair. Like, ladies, look out for the red flags. That's all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, the, the guy was just like an all-around bad dude. Yeah, and this 
wasn't the tipping point for the divorce. The tipping point was, um, we mentioned earlier, you know, Bruce's mom, you know, who's letting him live in her house previously when he worked at Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Uh, she actually, you know, starts to sympathize with Sylvia. It was just like, hey, you know, sorry about my son. It's kind of an asshole, man. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen those pictures of him graduating with a sex doll or not, but hey, like, let me, you know, be like a good mother-in-law to you, whatever. And so they're talking and whatnot. And I guess one day she brings up the fact that, oh, Bruce actually has a son. And Sylvia's like, wait a minute. I never knew about this. I didn't know he had a son. Like, he never told me about this. And she's like, yeah, like, you know, he tells her the whole backstory about, you know, the child falling in the pool and whatnot. And oh, yeah, by the way, he hasn't seen him in over like five years or something crazy like that. And he goes, but he still claims him on his taxes and still gets, you know, that tax rebate, you know, at that time for him or whatever. So like, again, speaks to the selfishness of this guy. And this is what we're at the point, like Sylvia's like, you know what? You know, I have three children that I got to look out for. Like I'm trying to, you know, better myself with like this flower business and whatnot. Like I can't have this. I need to disassociate, disassociate myself from this guy. So they start to, you know, they're still living together, but they're like, you know what? I want a divorce. And so Bruce is like totally cool with this at this point on the outside. And I guess the story goes to one day, like she was, um, at church or some, something, some like community event or something associated with the church. And when she comes home, all of her stuff and all of her children's stuff is just laid out like on the, on the, um, the driveway. And mind you, it was like rainy that day as well. Mm. So like just fucking like throws out all their stuff in the fucking cold rain. Well, one of the funny things about that is she, the reason why she didn't want to move out, it wasn't because like she needed to like get her shit together. It was like, she could have moved into her parents' house. Her parents were pretty well off. They own a, like very good business in LA. So like, if you're doing well in LA, you're doing pretty well. Um, so she could have done that, but she wanted her daughters to finish the school year and they would have to like switch to a different school district. So she said like, let's just wait for my daughters to finish the school district a year. And uh, I'll leave. I'll go move with my parents. And it was only like two more months of the school year. So it wasn't like a super like unreasonable thing to do, but yeah, like he does throw all her shit out on the street. Hmm. basically. Yeah. And it's about this time too. So, you know, you know, obviously attorneys are getting involved and whatnot. Um, that Bruce's attorney actually goes to Sylvia's attorney and says, Hey, Bruce wants to, you know, see if this relationship can be reconciled. She's like, nah, fuck that. Like I said, she goes, I seen too many red flags. I don't want my children being like his own, you know, you know, blood child, you know, where like, you know, they're going to be in a situation where like he's taking advantage of them or whatnot or taking advantage of me for fuck's sake. Yeah. So she's like, no, we don't want anything to do with that. And then like everybody said, like he had like a, a very like accepting reaction to that. You know, if you're, you know, pleading, you know, to save the marriage or whatever, like you're going to be heartbroken or like visibly upset that, you know, that she's rejecting your plea. Everybody says like, no, he was actually like, like more than cool with it. And we were talking about this before we started recording. This is where he starts to like fucking enact like his plan for like this Christmas Eve attack. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a long time coming. The, the the plan for for that, I mean, I think it was a couple of things. Like you brought up his mom not being on his side. His mom hadn't been on his side for a while. Like that was still that's still her grandchild. Yeah, like that is now a paraplegic. And like when you see like your own child being like a shitty father to his child, it's like you're not gonna take his side. And she was very even like during the the divorce with with that with his first wife. Like, she was not on his side. Like, she was very much, like, I guess every time that they would go to the 
to the hearings like she was there for her for her um daughter-in-law you know and mm-hmm. it was you don't really ever see that most parents would pretty much support their child no matter what and like she was basically just like no this isn't my kid like you you are being like a monster to your child so i'm not going to support you and and i think that that was one of the things that like was a red flag like she kind of bugged him a little bit like how come you don't have a relationship with your mom and like i think once the that came up like it came up very quickly like here's the reason i don't have a relationship with my son it's because he has a child that who is now paraplegic and like does not even care for him yet still claims him as a dependent so like obviously like once you hear that that's a pretty good reason why you know to at least have an argument at least (laughs) yeah and that pissed bruce the fuck off and like during this time period you know they're having like the court proceedings and whatnot uh, the court actually orders uh, Bruce to pay Sylvia, you know, $1,700 a month in, you know, alimony or, you know, spousal support, you know, because the divorce hadn't been finalized yet. And, you know, that pissed Bruce the fuck off. Obviously, he's a selfish motherfucking asshole. I mean, Art, like when you were pitching this topic to me and I looked him up on uh, Wikipedia, he looks like a fat Troy Aikman, you know. <laughs> Shout out to everybody who gets the, uh, that, you know, sports reference. But He looks anyway, like Troy Aikman now. You know what? No, dude, Troy Aikman still has Let's like see. that chiseled Troy jaw. Troy Aikman, twenty twenty. Uh, Troy Aikman looks like a white Jay Z. Google white Jay Z. <laughs> I don't know, man. But you know that he's very pissed off about the seventeen hundred dollars, and he starts reaching out to friends, and he reaches out to this friend uh, from from high school, I believe, uh, who lives in Iowa now, and he's just like, "Hey, my wife's taking me to the cleaners." You know, she's taking all these elaborate, you know, trips to Las Vegas, driving sports cars. She now lives with her sister who, like, doesn't charge her any rent. So the $1,700 in, like, 2008, like, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, like, you know, you know, the recession, recession, like, goes a fucking long way. And he's, like, just like, you know what, like, I'm not, you know, doing well right now. And he actually gets, in the midst of this, gets fired from his job at ITT. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reason why he gets fired from ITT, holy shit, let me look it up because I just forgot. <laughs> oh, for, for, I'm sorry, for billing, uh, fuck, shout out to Caveman Coffee for having my brain like uh, move a million miles an hour. Uh, no, but he actually gets uh, fired from ITT, not ITT Tech, like the fucking super junior college or whatever. Um, no, he gets fired from ITT for billing um, hours that he never worked. So he basically commits oh, time right, clock fraud. Right. And was it wasn't his excuse because he was like getting cleaned out by his ex wife or recent ex wife? Yeah, everything's everybody else's fault but uh, his own. Well, the the funny thing about that is like he actually creates this very elaborate program to like create that glitch on the computer to give him like time that he that he's working when he's not even there. So like he created this like super elaborate program. Like, as opposed to, like, just getting, like, a second job or something, like, to make more money, like, he rather creates his intent. Like, I can't even imagine, like, that's super smart. Like, yeah, he's a terrible person for doing everything he's doing, but he still, like, created that program to create the glitch on his time clock or whatever. Yeah, and so he gets, so he's trying to file for unemployment, and I guess, like, with California state unemployment, if you get fired for fraud, you can't get any unemployment at all. Like, mm-hmm. like it's just straight blocks you. So he's like pleading with like this friend, like in Iowa, like, 
hey, like my wife's taking me to the cleaners. Like she's going to like all these like super uh, lavish events and getting, you know, private golf lessons from fucking Tiger Woods. Like I'm pretty sure Tiger Woods is like drilling her now. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what he's telling him, but he's basically like makes this friend feel super sorry for him. He's like, you know what? Come, you know, come over here, you know, to Iowa, you know, see all the great lavish corn husks and whatnot. <laughs> like, and, you know, <laughs> stay with us for a little bit and, you know, we'll take care of you for for a time. So I thought like, okay, like he's just like manipulating like a friend, you know, so he has a place to stay, you know, because I'm thinking in my head, like this guy lives in LA. LA is a super expensive place to live. doesn't have a job. Um, I believe like at this time, like he doesn't really have much in savings. I believe all he has in savings is $17,000, which will come up a little bit later. Uh, but I'm thinking in my head, like almost, almost kind of feeling sorry for him. I'm like, fuck, like if I lost my like, you know, hundred thousand hundred fifty thousand dollar a year job or whatever and like i'm not going to get any unemployment and by the way i got to pay my you know wife seventeen hundred dollars a month like i'd be like fucking scared too like i'd be reaching out too like hey i need a place to live like i'm not gonna be able to pay my mortgage but the reason why he goes to iowa is for a super sinister reason and mind you this is in june of 2008 and so i guess in california when you buy a gun you have only 30 days from that day that you buy that gun to purchase another gun. And then when you buy a gun in California, I believe that you're only allowed to have like so many bullets. I believe it like within the magazine, but instead like red States, like Iowa, you're able to have like unlimited amounts. So basically you can have like a magazine that like extends to like 22 fucking, like fucking bullets in there or whatnot. So he goes to Iowa and he purchases, you know, you know, a, a clip or whatever it's called, you know, that is worth or that, is longer and it enables you to shoot more shots in a handgun um, than here in California. Mm. So I want to go into this because I know we've talked about this kind of stuff before. I believe we talked about it on the Ted Kaczynski Unabomber episode. Mm-hmm. Remember the number off your the hell? Let's see. Ah, uh, fuck! I okay. <laughs> probably one hundred one. Let's just say one hundred one. All right, sure, one hundred one. Shooting that shot oh, in the dark. No but, pun intended. You know, just just a minute to look at it like nature versus nurture you know like i always question that with people who are like murderers like was this something that they were born with always kind of having this in them or was it something that happened at some point you know and a lot of time it comes from childhood or whatever but who knows with this guy i mean it seems like yeah he was a jerk and like self-centered but he didn't have any like we don't know of him like you know torturing animals and stuff when he was a child Mm -hmm. so like you know just i wonder was it nature nurture or just you know combination of both or just people are jerks sometimes or they get emotional and they just do really bad things like i i don't know it's it's a question to consider you know i mean when you look at like i mean you don't really they don't really talk about like his father or whatnot like in the house like when you look at like his mother or whatever like she seems like a very uh, compassionate person you know what i'm saying like she's got one grandchild that's you know paraplegic and whatnot and like she's like super like you know there for him on that like you see that like in like all the articles and whatnot and you see like the fact that like hey like she was super supportive of sylvia you know in the situation that she was going through because she's seen her son do that to somebody before like she was there with you know the first you know fiance that he left at the altar welcome back art um and you see that with her so like i don't know if you can really say nature or, or nurture, nurture yeah. yeah, nurture so much. It seems more of like a, a proof of like nature. Like he was just naturally engraved of like is this kind of like jerk off son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the scientific term. <laughs> yeah, it's in uh, Wikipedia. Huh. Art, are you? Yeah, back I mean, every, I'm back. Okay, you guys great. hear me? Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, everything that 
not to keep going back to the same thing, but this guy seems to um, only care about like how he is perceived, not by his own family, but like by the outside world. So like everything that he has to sell people on is like my ex-wife is doing me wrong, and like um, I don't know, it, it just seems totally like social path guy, but. Yeah, then it, before you, uh, your computer cut out on you. Um, we were talking about how he went to Iowa to purchase like that um, bigger magazine. For, uh, like, magazine clip. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he and and give him. I don't want to say like give him credit, but he seems to know how to play the law. Like he's playing these laws and everything that that uh, playing it pretty smartly in the sense that like he's gonna avoid the. Any like suspicion that he's up to something by going to a different state? Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, um, but oh, yeah, okay. yeah. No, like it just strikes me as weird that like, no, like just another asshole move on his part. That like I'm gonna go to Iowa like on the pretense of like oh like I really need someone emotionally, you know, you know during this rough patch of time because no matter what like if you're going through a rough patch in your marriage or whatever like you're gonna like need some kind of like support or whatever. But under the guise of like, oh, like I'm going to buy like this, like soup, I'm going to soup up basically like my guns and shit. And then like from that point forward, like you see him like, like on record, like purchase another gun, like the next month, another gun, like almost like exactly 30 days after like, you know, he purchases the next gun to a point where he gets like five handguns by, I believe it's like September or whatever. So we got like what, June, July, August, September, October, but October, he's got like five semi-automatic handguns. I'm curious about something here. Um, so I know that they were divorced. I think it was officially like December 18th or something like that. Correct. But at what point had they decided like we're separating? Look, was this all during the time of like, I believe like that was June, like June, like right when, you know, they officially like, like, you know, the, the, all the, everything's like out on the porch and whatnot. Okay, so she says, well, I'm I mean, going to leave you or whatever, and then he starts buying these guns right afterwards. It seems like that, so, yeah. Because like when you look at the... So she actually wanted to leave him right as soon as um, she found out that he had another child. Not because he had another child, but because he lied about having a child and lied about like his taxes and all that stuff. Um, and he, he made it a big deal that she had children. Like he, he said, like, I didn't bring any children to this marriage. You brought three children. So like the fact that he wasn't willing to bring up the children right off the bat. And then, you know, after talking to his, to his mom, his wife was just basically like, Oh, I'm done with this. Like I've been lied to, like you lied mm-hmm. to me about having children. So she was, they weren't even sleeping in the same room. She would sleep in the living room. He would sleep in the bedroom. So it was like a, almost an automatic thing. As soon as she found out that he was living this like other life kind of thing. And I want to point out too, like um, the whole reason like that, that child came up or whatever, like with those conversations with his mom is because for the longest time, like he, like after they had gotten married in 2006, he had refused to open up a joint bank account with her, which, you know, like when you're married, like, again, like I said, like that Spice Girl song, when two become one, like what's yours is mine and mine and yours, like that bank account, like most fucking married people, they're going to have like a, some kind of joint bank account. Right. Right. And like for the longest time, like he had refused to do that with Sylvia and that's what prompted that too. Like, well, what financially are you hiding from me that you won't do that? Hmm. I find it weird too, like that you would, a person would marry someone with three kids, but like obviously not want anything to do with those kids. Like that's and one just... was like super young too. Like Art, you mentioned too, like he, she didn't move out at like right away anyways, cause she wanted like the youngest child. I believe she was only like four 
or five or whatnot, mm-hmm. like you know, like you know, that's that's like a fucking child, child. You know, that's gonna yeah, require fucking you know support. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's not like some seventeen year old that's gonna be like out on the streets, like in a, a year from now. Like that's like a child that you're gonna help have to raise, like for the next like sixteen years at least. That's a commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's just that's crazy. Yeah. So. In that time period, he gets like all those guns, and then at the I believe it's like September, like he goes to like a friend who owns like a costume shop and requests to have her like you know p- purchase a Santa Claus suit. And Bruce, um, I referenced that he's like a fat <laughs> Troy Aikman. He's six foot four, two hundred and seventy five pounds. So he's a, he's a fucking he's a thick ass dude. Like he's thicker than a Snickers, right? Um, he asked her like, "Hey, can you like cut, give me the give me this Santa Claus suit? You know, I'm assuming it was like a you know triple XL Santa Claus suit. Uh, can you like you know tailor it to my body, but like kind of leave a little extra room in the legs, like make it roomy, you know?" And he was saying it like in the guys that like, "Oh, like I put on some weight, like you know I need it to be pretty big." And the reason why is because um, for Sylvia's parents that we were referencing, you know, for years they would have like a neighbor. Um, come to the house every Christmas Eve dressed as Santa Claus and hand out presents. But that neighbor had moved away, like I believe like out of state or out of country or something like that. So he told that, you know, that family friend that owned the costume shop, like, hey, like I'm going to be playing Santa Claus this year at the the family event. Hmm. So I actually, I didn't see that about being a family friend. I actually saw that he tips the person a lot of like more than average yeah, to not bring this up to anyone, kind of thing. Like, that's like, why because he was, this money. Yeah, that's why though, because he was saying that like, oh, like I'm gonna surprise them because like for years they had like this neighbor be Santa Claus, but I'm gonna surprise them and be Santa Claus. You know, it's kind of like as a last like hurrah for the family. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Which I mean, okay, any any of you who are signed to be Santa Clauses, this could be a red flag. Ex husband's <laughs> gonna pay you two hundred dollars or whatever to. I mean, I, I would hope that I would, like, call the family and be like, this is kind of weird behavior. This is what's happening. Are you sure you want Bruce over there right now? Like, I'm just giving you guys the heads up. I mean, man, like. Yeah. Uh, so um, kind of, like, to go past, you know, the whole thing happens, you know, like him shooting up the, the family and setting the house on fire. And, like, his plan was, like, to, like, again, like, to flow, throw that flare into the house and, like, kind of walk away, you know, from the incident, you know, scot-free. Uh, but, you know, the house actually catches fire because of the fireplaces and, you know, the Santa Claus suit like melts to his skin. And this is like kind of like where everything kind of goes wrong for him at this point. Like he th- he's thinking like he's smarter. He's slicker than molasses right here. Like he, he's put one over on his friend in Iowa. He put one over like on the, the costume maker. Like he thinks that like his pan- his plan is like bulletproof. But anyways, like he sustains like, you know, third degree burns. Um, he drives to his um, brother's house in Silmar, California, which is like about 30 minutes away or 30 miles away from... That's where my girlfriend's from, Silmar, California. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Drives to where his brother's house is. That's Silmar. <laughs> and um, uh, rigs his car that he's in. Now, mind you, he's not driving his car car. Like the car that he actually had, I believe he had two cars. He had a Hummer and he had like a, like a, a, a Cadillac Escalade. Uh, but his next door neighbor said that when he saw him that night, he was in like a like a Dodge, like a fucking Charger or whatever. And I'm not gonna say like a Charger. It was like a Dodge Stratus. Stratus. Let's say it's a Dodge <laughs> Stratus, right? <laughs> and um, they said that like that was weird that you know he was in this rent a car. Well, you know he drives to his brother's house, and 
he does something like I, I saw that like he rigged it with black powder and I guess like this is highly explosive um, device or whatever and it's pretty like genius like on the fly he was able to do this rigs it with this black powder substance and you know, adheres like some of the Santa Claus suit that was you know melted to his skin uh, to the car to where like if you were to try to peel off like the Santa Claus suit the whole car would explode so he does that and then goes into his brother's house and commits suicide and they say like when the police officers came you know to find him you know because i guess uh, the brother came home because at that time the brother wasn't home at that time when he committed suicide when the brother came home and you know finds his brother you know dead in his living room and whatnot you know they noticed that there was something off about like the car they're like i don't recognize this car this isn't my brother's car and they noticed that you know there was like five empty like you know boxes of you know for the handguns in there and they said there was like 200 rounds of ammunition in there and they said that you know just in case let's call the bomb squad and they're they said they're thankful that they did because like when the bomb squad you know detonates the car basically like shoots out the car the whole car explodes damn that you know what all i can think of is the dude that like has to do all the paperwork for the (laughs) rental agency like oh my god dude he's gonna have a headache the next week the tps reports yeah, so I got to fill all these TPS reports now because <laughs> some dude blew himself up in a car. Yeah, so I guess he goes to his brother's house, and when he's there, he, like, starts watching, like, his favorite childhood movie or something and then, like, shoots his, shoots himself in the head, like, on the couch while he's, like, watching it or something. Kind of weird. Kinda, wow. I mean, really, really strange. Like, I don't know if he had that plan. And then this whole thing is, like, did he have that plan of killing himself at his brother's house? Did he or did he have alternative like plans? Because he also had a ticket to go to Canada. Uh, and, you know, was he just so injured that he was like, I'm not going to make it through an airport like with like pieces of my skin melting off? Like, you know, I don't know. I think that his plan was to run away to Canada because there's no no way he was going to commit suicide. Like, I feel like he's almost too like too self-centered to commit suicide. Like that's such a last resort for him. Like, he needed to have, like, that victory of, like, I did all this and I got away. Yeah. Um, I saw, too, that, yeah, he did have the, the plane ticket, and it was for Air Canada. But the actual, like, flight itinerary was to um, go to this one place um, in Illinois. And when I looked it up, like, the actual city, like, in Illinois that he went to, um, I got it written down right here, Moline, um, Illinois, um, it's literally like they call it like the quad cities. So like there's like two cities like in Illinois and then two cities like in Iowa that are neighboring. And when I looked at like the city that was right next to to Moline, Illinois, it's Davenport, Iowa. And that's where the high school friend was at. And so what he's they said um, is that he spoke to the uh, high school friend right before he went to the, the parents house. And he said that, hey, I'm going to come visit you for the holidays, like as, you know, surprise trip. I'm going to, you know, bring my Santa Claus suit and I'm going to surprise your family for taking me in, you know, during the summer or whatever. And that he said that he had that. But at the same time, he rented a second car and he had like they said, like he had like uh, roadmaps to uh, like Mexico and like the whole like Southwest United States. He had toilet paper, uh, canned beans, uh a laptop and a desktop computer in that second rental car and it was also strapped with a bunch of explosives and oh yeah by the way it was parked right out aside right outside of Sylvia's uh divorce attorney's house and it was de- it was scheduled to detonate on Christmas day 
Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So, so it's like he had like separate plans almost, mm-hmm, maybe. Like all yeah. sorts of different plans. And they also said that like when they found his body, he had like saran wrapped to his leg, like the, the remaining balance of it, that $17,000 that I was talking about, mm-hmm. he, um, saran wrapped to his leg. So I think he had like all these separate plans going on just to determining like, okay, what happens, you know, after I commit, you know, this crime, I have several different paths I can take just in case something doesn't work out. But I guess it turns out that like when you have like a fucking Santa Claus suit like melting to your skin, like you're not gonna get through TSA. Cause again, this is in a world you know past nine eleven. You're not gonna get past TSA with all that fucking shit going on. You're, they're gonna make you go to a hospital. Hmm. I mean, it's a good thing yeah, you did definitely. because it's like what we could just have some guy who like cold blooded murdered so many people just like get away with it. I mean, he would have gotten or he possibly could have gotten away with it. Yeah. And, like, dude. I mean, even if lucky. he would have went to like Mexico or whatever, right? Like you, you're, you got to think too. Like he's like to get like somebody that selfish, you know, to say like, like Art, you were saying that like that probably wasn't in the cards for him to commit suicide. You got to think like he was so burned again. Like I mentioned like that racing fuel, like burned so hot and third degree burns. Like you look that shit up. Like that's not just some fucking like, you know, like, oh shit, I put my hand on the fucking barbecue for two seconds. Like, no, that's some fucking like it's continuously burning, like, even after you've cooled the burn off, like, type of shit. And it melted in, you know, the fucking Santa Claus, polyester Santa Claus suit, like, into... So you're pretty much, like, your Venom at this point, like, with the fucking Santa Claus suit. We are Venom. (laughs) We are Santa Claus. Yeah. The Sandy Claus. Um, But, no, you got to think, like, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to get away with this. Like, I thought I was outsmarting everybody towards this point, but at this time... And you got to think, too, at a certain point, like, he's still a human, He's probably having some kind of remorse because not only did he kill like his ex-wife, he kills like, you know, nine other people. You know, he kills, you know, her his ex, you know, mother and father-in-law, who by all accounts were like outstanding people. Art mentioned, you know, they ran like a successful, you know, painting business. I guess they were like, you know, very charitable people in the community. He killed all five of, you know, Sylvia's, you know, brothers and sisters and their spouses. He orphaned, you know, 13 p- children's parents at this point. And you mean 13 children? Thir- yeah. yeah, 13 children at this point. And you got to think like that. At a, he's a s- in- intellectually smart individual. You got to think like at a certain point, like you're sitting down watching your favorite Christmas movie or whatever he did, you know, in his brother's house. You got to think like he might have had like some kind of remorse after that. After you calm down you know, from that 30 mile, you know, trip to Silmar or whatever, you got to think like there's something there that goes on in your brain. Like, yo, I fucked up royally. I'm not getting away. Like if, even if I go to Mexico, like the fucking cartel is going to like cut my head and put it on a fucking tortoise. Mm. Is that a breaking bad reference? Yeah, it is. (laughs) Thank you. I don't think so. Like, I I don't think he felt that remorse. Like he went through months and months of doing this. He left the child, like his, his own child, child like behind like he didn't care about that it's not like he ever reached out and like said maybe you guys should check in on my child no like for him to buy the guns and like to shoot a child in the face the first person he shoots is his like eight-year-old niece in the face and then like Hmm. continues on like the dude like that's why i think that this guy was just not okay in the head like every everything every like stop in life like led to not being not being average, but at the same time, like being off completely on, on on the wrong path. Like he cared too much about what his coworkers were making. He cared too much about how way he was going to be perceived if he had a child in a wheelchair. He cared too much about all these things. Like 
I think the last thing on his mind was like, oh man, I can't believe I killed people. Like <laughs> that's like, I feel like at that point, the only thing he could think of is like, man, I should have, I can't believe I didn't get away. Like if anything, he's probably yeah, like, I'm gonna himself get caught. at that point. Yeah. He's probably he didn't, like, sad that he's going to get in trouble. Have like a bigger body count or something like that. That's true. Yeah. Because there's three people to get away or no, there's multiple people to get away. I believe like all of pretty much all of the children minus the one 17 year old that was like up in stairs, he dies, you know, because of smoke inhalation you know, cause he's upstairs or whatever. But you know, a lot of the children, they survived because they were either like our say, like in the backyard. So they were able to hop a fence and get away. Um, or the other children, they were in the back room, you know, playing video games. So they're able to like, you know, bust out of the back door or whatnot. And then one, uh, one, one of the children, like they jump out of the window and break their ankle. But to that point though, like, I feel like at a certain point, like when every like, yeah, he 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 planned this for six months, but I think like once like everything, the finality of it happens or whatever. Like I do think maybe there was a combination of both. Like maybe he was just like, oh shit, like what did I do? And then at the same time, like, well, I'm not gonna get away with this because you got to think like he's got all these burns all over his body. At some point, he's gonna have to go to a fucking hospital. And the hospital is going to see, like, th this is going to make, like, fucking news. Because, like, that fire, it took 80 firefighters to put out that fire. 80 firefighters. Mm. That's, a fu that's like, three departments worth of firefighters to put out that fire. It took them an hour and a half to put it out. This is making national news. Like, there's no way they're not going to go on a manhunt for this individual. And you got to think, like, he's got all these burns. The first hospital he goes to is going to rat him out, like, rightfully so. And it's just like, fuck, like. I didn't do it. Like he's so I think it's like a combination of both where it's like he's there might be some remorse there and then also too like that that ego that obvious ego that's there is just like well shit like I didn't complete the mission. Yeah, I question like I I'm a little more like maybe there's a remorse there but I feel like I'm maybe a little more on arts like wavelength like this guy planned this for months and then this little innocent eight-year-old answers the door and he shoots her. Like, mm -hmm. that to me doesn't feel like, you know, heat of the moment, crime of passion by any means. Like, it feels meditated and, like, you know, planned out and just, like, sinister. Like, I think you used the word sinister and it's just like, dude, like, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not in the guy's head. But it just all of his actions to me just seem extremely selfish and, like, you know, that was one of the things, like, I don't know what you guys believe if Jeffrey Epstein actually committed suicide or not. I don't know. But if he did commit suicide, um, a lot of his victims were like angry at him for committing suicide because like he's not even going to be able to come to justice. This is such a selfish thing of him to do. Mm. And, you know, I mean, he's dead. And I don't know what you believe about the afterlife, <laughs> but, you know, I find it hard to believe that Jeffrey Epstein is, you know, in heaven. I don't. I mean, I can't imagine like this guy for all the stuff he did just being in heaven. Like that would be crazy. Nah, to me. I don't think so. <laughs> and so, you know, I do believe there's life after death and judgment, and that's going to be worse than anything that could have happened to him in this world. But I know a lot of people still look at that justice aspect. Like, you know, he's trying to like kind of sidestep justice and coming to have to deal with whatever his crimes were. Like, uh, I don't know. It's rough, man. It's this, this world's pretty ugly sometimes. Yeah. Um, but we referenced at the beginning of this episode, you know, it seemed like every Tuesday, you know, there was a mass shooting going on. That eight-year-old girl that he actually shoots in the face actually survives. Like, oh, that's like the that's that's cool. a beautiful <laughs> thing on that. She actually survives, and she only survives because she 
just by the like you know Jesus must have been walking with her you know like the Kanye West song you know said because like she, I guess she turns her head like right as like the bullet was like getting ready to hit her and right as she turns her head you know it keeps her from being like mortally wounded but you know later on in life you know I believe uh, the Club Pure incident like in Florida where like that gay club got shot up um, she actually like is one of the students that help organize like remember like when those students were organizing those walkouts. Like all these teenagers across like the the country, like she was like one of the initial teenagers that you know d- organized uh, those initial like um, those walkouts, you know, for high school students, you know, to bring light to you know gun control laws and whatnot. So like, I, if there's any silver lining there, it was that because she was. If there's gonna be anybody with like a credible like voice against you know, you know, for you know gun control, it would be her. Yeah, I, mean, I yeah, agree. I saw, I saw that news article too, or her news interview or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Heavy stuff. Merry Christmas, guys. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I thought, honestly, so one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this whole case is like, obviously there's like gun law elements to this that are like, this dude was like going around every single gun law that's up there and he played the system pretty well. And like, there's also like this element of like of this guy's like living multiple lives like it, it it all just it felt like a like this could be like a freaking like a david um who's that director uh, like a david fincher movie like like this like gone girl kind of style like there's just so many elements to this mo- to this to the story that like it almost felt like it, there's no way that this story is real. And the fact that it happens on Christmas Eve and he goes on this like crazy massacre, like, I mean, it felt, it felt so weird. Even as I was doing the research, it wasn't until like, I saw like the fact that the, the audio and stuff, like if you really like dig deep, you'll find all the crime scene evidence and things like that, which is like, I don't know why you would want to do that. That's kind of one of those things that I just started to tune out this morning. That I was like, eh, I'd rather not, like it's just too dark and too deep. I'd rather just focus on Christmas and like, like being alive and healthy during COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I agree. It's a pretty dark one. Like I felt, I, I felt this one, especially just because it was a Hispanic family and it just like relate to the elements that they were going through on that Christmas Eve. Yeah. So, I mean, it brings up the that, that talking point, though, where, you know, anytime, like, gun control gets, like, introduced, like, you know, you have people who will say, like, on the more conservative, like, yeah, you can pass all the laws you want. And this is, like, the textbook case of, like, yeah, like, he, there was a lot, like, super strict laws in California that I alluded to that, like, limited how many bullets were in the magazine for that handguns that he had. And then, you know, he's just like, oh, I'm just going to sideswipe that and, like, go to, you know, Iowa where they allow, you know, a bigger, you know, cartridge or magazine or whatever obviously guys i'm not a gun person or whatever right um but like people always say that you know on the more conservative end you know like gun laws aren't gonna you know prohibit or stop criminals from owning guns you know so what's the point of having you know gun laws if people are just gonna find loopholes like bruce pardo i mean and you got to look at the fact that you know we talk about education as possibly a way to like well if these people were just educated but it's like this guy is extremely intelligent and Mm -hmm. educated and he was even able to like rig bombs and stuff. So even, I mean, I'm not trying to make an argument on either side. I'm just saying like, if, if this in super intel or I don't want to say super intelligent, but this intelligent person who is a, capable of like 
kind of makeshift bombs is ticked off and wants you to die, you're probably going to die. You know, I mean, yeah. And so, you know, he could have, if he didn't, if he couldn't get a gun, like he did use a gun, which, you know, is, it doesn't change the fact that, yeah, he did use a gun that he bought legally or numerous guns, but he could have done something else, you know? And mm-hmm. like, I think it all goes back to like, you know, humans have some ugliness or we're capable of some really, really ugly things. And like, you know, if we didn't have guns, we'd kill each other with rocks. You know, I mean, we'd kill each other with something. Well, the um, guy also had like a fucking, you know, I mean, everybody calls it a flamethrower, but he had like this mechanism, you know, that he put together that, you know, shot this racing fuel all over the house, exploded it within like minutes, like this two story home. Like there's nothing like in the Constitution that, you know, protects that or stops you from having that. Like that's just something that he made because he was like a low key rocket scientist. You know, he was fucking on the verge of like half death, you know, like by being, you know, you know, caught on fire and had like a fucking Santa suit, you know, melted into his skin. And he like fucking rigs like his fucking on the fly rigs his fucking rental car to be like this explosive, you know, device. And then they said too, like when the FBI got to like his actual house, like where he was at, they said it was like a virtual bomb laboratory in there. So like he was like cooking up stuff for like months. So, I mean, yeah, you might be able to like stop how many bullets like are able to go like in his handgun. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, I mean, smart ass people are gonna find you know other ways to you know to commit like these heinous crimes, and it might even be more heinous you know because of that. So I mean, I know I'm like you know we get shit all the time because I'm like a fucking libertard or whatever, but I feel like <laughs> this is like one of those times where it's just like I'm like stuck in the middle where it's just like yeah we can pass all these gun laws and whatever, but you know people are always gonna find ways around it. But at the same time, I always feel that like inaction is like the worst thing too. Like it sends like a bad message, you know, and you know, one life saved, you know, through, you know, one law, like is, is more than, you know, no life saved, you know, because it's like, well, just let everybody have like fucking, fucking 75 clips, like in their, you know, you know, fucking handgun and shit. Like, I don't, like, I don't know. Like, it's like one of those things where the scale of justice, like is always like tipping one way or the other for me. I do feel that, I, I think that he is kind of like the outlier in, in these cases. Like not everyone has the capability of building these like complex bombs and having the financial resources. Like he basically, I think it was what $17,000 in his bank account. Like $17,000 is not nothing. Like you can do a lot of harm with $17,000 and like to have that in his bank account and just have it like, be like, fuck it. Like I'm just going to spend that money to like buy as many weapons as I can to like, to like, kill people like yeah of course that's a scary thing and like i I do think that yeah most most people can build a bomb like i'm sure there's instructions online to build a bomb but for the most part we're we're talking about like crimes of passion like most people that are like passionate aren't going to be like are in like a fit of rage like if you got in an argument with like your wife or something like like you wouldn't be like oh i'm gonna go online find out instructions on how to build a bomb and then I'm going to blow it. Like it would be more e- Like it would just be so much easier to grab a handgun and shoot someone. And that's what I mean. Like with, with guns, like gun laws in general, like mass shootings like that, like there, a lot of times they are just passionate moments of anger and like they cause large amounts of destruction. That's, that's, that's why the whole thing. And like, yeah, I get the whole, like you can kill someone with a rock, but I will take my chances that you won't kill 30 people with a rock as opposed to <laughs> yeah. a machine gun or a, or like a flame throwing bomb or whatever. Like it's, it's, it's apples and oranges. And like, 
Yeah, I agree that you said like there's no place in the Constitution that that uh, that uh, gives you the right to own that like machine like, fire fire gun or whatever. I don't even know what it is because it's really like he built it a himself. propane like a and fire. propane accessory. Like, yeah, so it's like there's nowhere in the Constitution that gives you that. But at the same time, like in the Constitution, there's no way that they envision people owning like fully automatic weapons and like all these things that we own now that are like just killing machines like most of these things like there's no way you can go hunting with these things like they're not hunting devices they're barely like self like like um self-defense like mechanisms like they're just like you would if somebody came into your house there's no way that you're holding like that fully <laughs> automatic <thrower>. gun without <laughs> yeah like there's no way you're gonna like not shoot someone else like unless it's like you versus an army like they're just ridiculous scenarios that we've like painted ourselves into like believing that it's okay to own these like they're just killing devices like i don't even understand how we can promote ourselves as like a christian country yet like promote ourselves as also being like a very gun loving country that just like gives us the right to be like the executioner of another human being yeah you do bring up a point, and I mean, obviously, this is the where the kind of dissonance lies between, okay, like, you know, I've heard stuff like, oh, well, should people be able to own an automatic weapon? Should people be able to own a tank? I mean, take it further. Should civilians be able to purchase, a like, bazooka. atomic bombs? Heck no. I mean, no. like, obviously, I don't think anybody would say, like, yeah, it's totally cool. Like, let's just let anyone purchase an atomic bomb or you know <laughs> i mean there's a point obviously now where is that point is it really going to stop people from basically just evil people from doing things probably not that's that's like the sad part maybe i'm just kind of like uh fatalistic or i don't know what i'd call it negative in that but i think that people are always going to do jacked up things i'm not trying to invalidate anybody's cause like you know by no means um you know if you feel like this is your cause and you have some passion for it and whatever, like, you know, obviously you don't want to hurt anybody, but yeah, I'm not trying to invalidate the, the cause that some people have, but man, like, I just think people are always going to do ugly things to each other. Yep. They'll always find a way. Yeah. And I, I agree. And I get the self-defense. Like, I'm not trying to be anti-gun. Like, like I, I understand that there's people that like feel the need to have a gun in their house. And I totally understand that. Like, the flip side of all this is like there's shitty people that might try to break into your house and sometimes it's just handy to have a gun to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Like how much gun is the question that I always ask? Like how much gun do you need? Like, like how many guns do you need? Like there's a point where it's like, are we fighting like the T-1000? Like there's no, like I don't understand <laughs> like what war you think you're about to go fight. That's going to like, like present the opportunity for me to have like two fully automatic weapons or two semi-automatic weapons. Like there's a point, like if the FBI was like raiding <laughs> like my house, like I'm just fucked. Like I'm not going to beat the FBI or whatever it is. Like, yeah, like the American I, government I decides they want you dead. You will be dead. Like yeah, there's we have no amount now. of like, yeah, I mean a drone can just take you out. Like it doesn't matter. You can have like everything, you know, be all suited up like Jesse Ventura <laughs> and predator. <laughs> like, <laughs> a sexual Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I always think I always hear the uh, the argument too. It's just like you know, responsible gun owners. You know, we have safes and we do this. We clean our guns and shit. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So you got a, a perpetrator like fucking trying to break into your house. Like, 
how quick are you going to be able to like open up that fucking safe like when you're in a dead of sleep? Like I sleep fucking hard. Like when I'm asleep, I'm fucking done. And you mean somebody's like if they really wanted to break into my house, like they're going to get into my house before I even have the opportunity to like go in my safe and take out my gun. Like either you have to have like like the like be always on edge, which again, you reference like if we're going to be a Christian nation where like God doesn't give you a spirit of fear. You know, like there's that Bible verse, like, why are you always living in fear that someone's going to come and like rape and pillage you? And like the Democrats are going to extract my child's adrenochrome. Like, why are you always living like in this state of fear that you need to have like even like a fucking like a basic ass handgun or whatever, like at all times, if you're like this Christian that should not have a spirit of fear. Like I always like that always pings in my head, too. But it's it's one of those like it's like abortion. Like it's one of those things Like there's going to be so many different nuances that you can't righteously land like on the correct answer i feel yeah i feel you on that like that's one of those things like like even the idea this is a completely different argument but even like the idea of going to war like trips me out sometimes like as if i was like a and even me like i'm not a hardcore christian but even the idea of like killing someone else because i'm told that i'm doing it for my country is weird like i don't even think i could sleep at night if i did that like Mm -hmm. the fact that we are kind of like led to believe that it's okay to do things like it's okay to commit these like terrible things as long as we're told that these people are bad and you're doing it for a good cause like that to me is like weird and i get it like there's terrible like terrorism organizations and things like that i i just like me personally like I find that like a difficult sell to me, like where I'm like, yeah, like unless it's like a fucking zombie or something, like I'm not <laughs> probably shooting at another person. It, if where... it was like a life and death situation where like they're about to harm someone that I love, yeah, of course, I think I would go through it. But for the most part, to put myself in a scenario of like I'm gonna fly to a different country to like protect oil fields and kill people that are trying to steal my oil, like get out of here. <laughs> okay, well, let me ask you this because this is the one that I always come back to. Because, like, I mean, I agree with you. Like, I it's kind of morally questionable sometimes for sure. But, like, World War II, there's some yeah. crazy stuff going on in World War II. And, like, to me, World War II just kind of seems like the last time where we could pretty much definitively say it felt like good versus evil. Yeah. And, like... Yeah, and even World War II is, like, really weird to me. Like, I agree with you. Like, yeah, that really felt like good versus evil. But you look at, like, the Catholic Church, like, the Catholic Church, and this is one of those things that I, like, not Catholic for, it's, like, they said nothing. They avoided the whole conversation of, like, Jews in concentration camps. So, like, they just pretended that was not even happening. And, like, it is one of those things that, like, you know, I think there was, like, this whole thing about, like, Catholics not wanting to go to war. It was, like, a very small thing, but if you look at, like, American history during that time period, you you look at like how a lot of people like left the Catholic church because the Catholic church was almost not for the Nazi cause, but like, very like, well, we don't, yeah. Like we don't know. Like it might be okay. Like, I don't know. Like it was just really weird. And like, Hmm. um, like they weren't taking a stance on it. Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah. Yeah. They weren't taking a stance on it. They were just kind of avoiding the whole conversation altogether. And it kind of makes sense. Like why, I don't know if it was because they didn't want to go to war or if they didn't want to like, since then, the Catholic Church has become super progressive, but like, I, I don't think they had a choice because of all the molest, molestation cases that they had. But like, <laughs> like that was a world that before time that period came was, to light. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just like it, it was a weird time period. But yeah, I agree that was like 
one of those things where it's like, dude, people are over like six million people have died in gas chambers kind of thing. Like, we have to do something about it. <sighs> but, but we're not there right now. We're just <laughs> protecting oil fields. Yeah. So with that deep conversation, guys. <laughs> yeah. Just more heaviness on top of heaviness, right? <laughs> I'm trying to find a But segue. I hope you guys are having a good Christmas. Hey, I want to say just some light here. I really appreciate being with you, my cousin, Art, at least seeing your face. You know, love you guys. It's yeah. always fun being here, even when it's dark. Uh, I just, I appreciate you guys. And Yes. You know, I, I, got, I always I love it when, when you're on, Keith. Oh, good. Well, I love being on. Oh. Yeah, you're like Dude, an unofficial, really like, because... member of the podcast. <laughs> I love Thanks. it when you're on just because it adds, like, this element. Like, I don't view myself as a very Christian person at all. I know Jacob has a, a, a like, Christian background or but like you always bring those other elements that I'm like, man, you're right. You're right. About <laughs> well, cool, man. That's, that's good to hear. Yeah. So thank you for being a real Christian. Shout out to all the real Christians <laughs> out there on this Christmas, uh, this Christmas week. So this episode is going to drop Christmas week. If you're listening to this, like in May or fucking June or something like that, you know, this is why we keep referencing Christmas. Cause this is technically our Christmas episode. Um, Fuck, I'm trying to find some kind of like positive segue, you know. I mean, yeah, other than yes, it's, it's during these COVID times, it's good that we have quarantined to where we, me and Keith, my cousin, we can hang out and whatnot. Um, so I hope, you know, whenever you're listening to this episode, you know, COVID is over and by next Christmas, we can bring you a better, funnier Christmas episode. Maybe we'll talk about Belschnickel and maybe we'll invite Dwight Schrute on or something like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to still ask for, uh, I'm just going to ask every time, just, can you guys please use your millions and millions of fans out there, your reach, uh, to get Jason David Frank, the Green Power Ranger, on this show? I I want to be there. I want to talk to my childhood hero. He's still a hero of mine. I need him on here. Who, who Maybe next it? Christmas. Jason the Green Frank? Power Ranger, bro. Tommy, the Green Power Ranger. J- Jason David Frank. Jason David Dude, Frank. Dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that happen, man. Dude, that would Jason be the best. Frank. Christmas Is that your Christmas present. wish? That would be my Christmas wish for 2021. Like, okay. <laughs> Let's make it happen, guys. Week uh, one of February, make... we'll make that. <laughs> Wait, week one of what? February. February. Oh, oh okay. okay. All right, we'll shoot for that. So, um, <laughs> Art, do you got anything else, bro? Uh, that's it. Shout out to my sister. Her birthday's on Christmas, so um, I don't know. That's it. Shout out Happy to birthday, Art's sister. Yes. Um, wow. Uh, with that said, everybody, make sure you follow us on all the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America, except for Twitter. We are at Art and Jacob Do A1. Uh, go to our YouTube. Um, subscribe there to our videos. I put a lot of fucking work into that. We only got like 66, subscri- 66 subscribers there. So um, That's still a lot, though, considering like you get on YouTube and like you see like these people with like, oh, a million dude. followers have like one video. <laughs> <laughs> the, the YouTube with uh, Aaron North was like pretty popular hell yeah so shout uh, out to aaron for fucking sharing that (laughs) right on yeah that's wild yeah so yeah go there guys you know tell your mama do like what art says tell your mamas and your boobies too so we can increase that that youtube page because all funds that come back to art and jacob do america go into making this podcast a little bit better if you're watching the youtube right now you'll see that i fucking decorated this fucking um the studio the place to be i decorate this studio and you know with nice christmas presents those are legit christmas presents too that are going to go out on christmas um you know got a little jack skeleton there i got rudolph the red-nosed reindeer i got green and red lights i'm trying to be festive as fuck i was trying to get some cookies up on here <laughs> but i got tired this morning i didn't feel like cooking um but uh anyways guys go there go to the youtube go to the patreon go you know to our t public search art and jacob do america 
uh, buy some merch. We got three designs. Hopefully by next year, we'll have a couple more designs up there for you guys. Um, but other than that, I don't really have anything, guys. Make sure you have a Merry Christmas. Other than that, guys, whether you're celebrating over Zoom like we are doing right now and you have little awkward moments, just cherish those awkward moments, guys. But with that said, Keith, do you got anything else? Do you want to plug anything? No. Do I need to plug something? Oh, it's the actually, Podbelly Network? Yes, let's, actually, let's give a shout-out to the Podbelly Network. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, what is it? Podbelly.com. Uh, lots of beautiful and delicious podcasts, including my own podcast. There you go. Path of Legends. There we go. It's a uh, serial fantasy, kind of like listening to an audiobook on steroids. There you go. And uh, you guys are writing season two right now, or recording We're recording season. season two. I'm writing season three right oh, okay, now. Okay, there you go. That's going to be, Whoa. Like, who knows how far in the future. There you go. Uh, make sure you check out other great podcasts, too, like our sisters at We're Not Sure Yet, uh, Jeremy's podcast, uh, podcasts we listen to, as well as our homeboy, Eddie at the RRBG podcast. But with that said, guys, you guys got anything else on this awkward ass episode? <laughs> no. Shout out right. to social game. Shout out to Brett. So that's it. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing, Playboy. So with that said, everybody, have a Merry Christmas. like this, that, and this, and It's like that and like this and like that, and It's like this. Then who gives a fuck about those? So just chill to the next episode.